Things had been going well for John Stockton Hugh since he came to Philadelphia. He had grown up some thirty miles north of the city in Yardley, but he had moved to the city of brotherly love to pursue medical training. And he had achieved so much more than this. Since graduating from the University of Pennsylvania in 1868, he had worked as a resident physician and sometimes as a chemistry teacher throughout the city. And along the way, he had built his reputation by publishing widely in the medical field. He even went so far as to invent new surgical instruments. John was, yes, by all indicators, at the top of his field. But he needed something that would demonstrate his skill. Something that could prove to any would-be naysayers that the medical trade was a skilled profession far removed from its barber-surgeon origins of just a century prior. And then John heard about Mary, one of the newest residents of the morgue at the Philadelphia Almshouse Hospital. Poor, widowed, and from across the pond in Ireland, Mary was a perfect candidate for a project that would prove his skill with the scalpel beyond a shadow of a doubt. And he had already picked out the book that Mary would provide the contribution for. Welcome to the Forgotten Archive. I'm Dr. Perry Neil Harrison, and I'll be your curator and guide as we explore some of the strangest, most surprising, and most controversial written works ever created. Along the way, we'll examine the details that make these artifacts so extraordinary, as well as delve into the fascinating minds of the people and cultures who made these books. But remember, sometimes a book's cover has its own story. When we think of the 1800s, we tend to think of the filthy, soot-covered London streets that would be home in an adaptation of Charles Dickens. Or, if we're more inclined to things stateside, we might think of the American Civil War or the Wild West. But, regardless of whether we prefer the old or new world, most people wouldn't exactly describe social attitudes as progressive. Most, in fact, would point instead to Victorian-era repression and tastefully covered table legs. So, it might come as a surprise to learn that the 19th century produced more than large hoop skirts. This century also led to the creation of more skin-bound books than any other time in human history. A large number of the 19th century skin-bound books share something in common. Their owners were physicians, like John Stockton Hugh, who we discussed at the top of the episode. Joseph Letty provides another example of a doctor creating his own anthropodermic book. Letty, a physician at the Union Army's Satterley Army Hospital, likely gathered the material for his copy of Elementary Treaties of Human Anatomy from a soldier who had died during the American Civil War. In Letty's decision to bind a medical text in flayed flesh, is not an isolated incident. Stockton used Mary's skin to bind a copy of Speculations on the Mode and Appearance of Impregnation in the Human Female. 
On the surface, it might seem odd that these medical professionals, bound by the Hippocratic Oath, might value such macabre items. But to understand why doctors are so closely associated with the history of anthropodermic books requires us to take a brief look at the history of the medical profession itself. While today, a physician is considered a highly respectable profession, this has not always been the case. Remember that, as recently as the 18th century, the sick often sought out medical treatment from barber surgeons, literal barbers who would bleed the body to rid it of bad blood and also perform a variety of surgical procedures, including amputations and dentistry. And while these barber surgeons were a vital part of everyday life, they lived on the margins of society and did not command the respect that today's medical professionals command. True, there is a certain amount of anxiety that is expected during a trip to the doctor or dentist today, but we typically trust that these professionals will be doing a good job while making you as comfortable as possible. Barber surgeons, on the other hand, were closely associated with barbarity, and they were often seen as charlatans. It wasn't until the mid-18th century that physicians began to move toward the kind of professionalization that we think of today. And during the 19th century, a great deal of the barber-surgeon stigma around medical professions still remained. For their part, physicians were eager to prove themselves as part of a genuine, skilled profession. And it was this wish to prove themselves as skilled practitioners of a respectable craft, oddly enough, that drew them towards anthropodermic bibliopagy. During the 19th century, high society had become fascinated with collecting rare and exotic books. And what better way for a physician to demonstrate that they are masters of a skilled craft, including cutting and creating incisions that is deserving of a place in high society than to create a rare book of their own that utilized these skills. Similar anthropodermic books continued to be created, often by physicians, until the early 20th century. The earliest years of the 20th century featured one of the most fascinating figures in the history of anthropodermic bibliopagy, Paul Kirsten. You see, not all doctors created their anthropodermic books themselves. Some commissioned others to create the books for them. Among medical professionals looking to acquire skin-bound books, Kirsten developed quite a reputation for his expertise. Kirsten claimed to have created six skin-bound books and proudly signed these documents and boasted of the quality of his work. Written in the flyleaf of one of these books is the simple phrase, This book was bound by me in human skin. Berlin, 1st of June, 1920, Paul Kirsten. But Kirsten is not the only dealer of anthropodermic books. Another book, dedicated to Mon cher Dr. Boland, boasts of the creator's craftsmanship by comparing his craftsmanship to another skin-bound book. However, doctors do not have the most famous 20th century association with skin-bound books. 
when discussing the topic of anthropodermic books with both the public and academic colleagues, the most common question I receive pertains to Nazi Germany. And this question seems natural. We have all heard of the Nazis' creation of lampshades made from human skin. Not only that, but the cruelty that the Nazis' vile beliefs encouraged makes it easy to imagine that they created anthropodermic books. But, in this case, this idea is another instance of rumor taking center stage over reality. And rumors that the Germans had bound books in human flesh had existed since before the start of the Second World War. During the First World War, the Germans' shortage of leather for bookbinding led to rumors that the country had turned instead to human skin as an alternative. Certainly, individual dealers such as Paul Kirsten indulged in the act during World War I, and it is true that the Germans were forced to use some creative bookbinding materials, such as fish scales, during this difficult time. And we will certainly be revisiting this creativity further during a later episode of this podcast. In reality, rumors of the Germans' anthropodermic books was nothing more than wartime propaganda designed to dehumanize an adversary, a story akin to that of the crucified soldier, another story that sprung up around the same time. And, after the discovery of the Nazi regime's inhuman actions, this old rumor certainly seemed more plausible, and the twenty-year-old story again found an audience. Old stories, it seems, have a way of being retold. Anthropodermic books, both genuine and products of our own imaginations, represent one of our most primal fears, that we could be stripped of the very skin that identifies us for the benefit of another. The doctors during the 19th century valued their own social status more than the human dignity of the soldiers and paupers that they used for their bindings. Even when the skin-bound books proved to be nothing more than rumors and propaganda, they still point to humankind's all-too-common tendency to dehumanize those who stand on the other side from us in times of conflict. Thanks for joining us today on The Forgotten Archive. If you've enjoyed yourself, head over to theforgottenarchive.com or anchor.fm forward slash theforgottenarchive and click the follow button. You can also like this show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching The Forgotten Archive. Original music for this podcast is by Trip Page. You can find his music on Spotify by searching for Trip Page. That's Trip with two Ps. I'm Landis Hosterman, and thanks for listening. Until next time, remember, sometimes a book's cover has its own story.